Hey there, you crazy Floridians. So glad you could join us for another episode of Florida's Fourth Estate. Uh, you know, there's just nothing going on in the world. We were struggling so to try to figure so out what to talk about this week on the podcast, but we figured, uh, you know, we could we probably figure it out. Yes, Ginger. Yeah. But I feel like we came up with something that a couple of people have heard about or have been talking about. So I, I think we're going to be okay this week. I think next so. week is still questionable. Yes, very true. So uh, we have a UCF professor. Obviously, the one thing that everybody is uh, talking about, uh, the COVID-19 has sort of taken a back seat to something that's been going on in our country for hundreds of years after uh, that awful case of what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis, Gigi. Yeah, so we are very uh, humbled and very excited to have Assistant Professor of Sociology, Dr. Jonathan Cox. He's a professor at the University of Central Florida. And Dr. Cox, thank you so much for joining us. And the thing that I love about your bio is it says you are a race scholar. I can't think of anyone more uh, suited to talk about what we need, not want to, but need to talk about what's happening right now. So thank you so much for joining us, first of all. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. I mean, uh, the easiest question I can ask you right off the top is, how did we get here? <laughs> and, and oh, wow, good luck with that. <laughs> no, I mean, I know we, we, you know, it's like you have to have some sort of levity in your life right now or else you will just be insane because I feel like, What's happening in our country right now is something that has been on simmer for a while, and now it's right at a full-on boil. But to me, Dr. Cox, this feels different. Am I, right. am I crazy, or, or why does it feel different? No, no, you are not crazy. Um, that is absolutely the truth, right? And I, that's something that I, I've been feeling myself. And when I speak to a lot of my friends, colleagues, other people, um, you know, I see things on social media, it, it seems like everybody, or at least a lot of people are feeling the exact same way. This is, while a lot of similar things are happening now that have happened in the past with regards to, you know, protests and civil unrest, um, this does feel significantly different uh, than, than it has in the past. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're crazy at all. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it feels so different now? Because we've seen, you know, starting with, not even starting with, but Ferguson, which is now, mm -hmm. I think, been six years. It, there was a movement there and then nothing. And sure. I feel like now we have every state in this country protesting, not just in this country, but around the world. I just saw Finn, if you're a, a Star Wars nerd from, from Star Wars, protesting in London, and he was so vocal and just so eloquent. I mean, it's Australians are protesting. People around the world know right. George Floyd's name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think there are lots of things that we could say that contribute to that. Um, I mean, one maybe most obvious right now is the fact that we're everybody's been you know staying at home recently because of COVID nineteen. I mean, so that's just kind of amped up people's their their feelings about everything, right? Um, and you also are paying attention to social media and other news outlets probably a lot more than you were before, um, because you're staying at home so much. Um, so we have that that's really been throwing things off. Um, we also just have the culmination of, of all of this just being seen, right? I really love this the, the quote that a lot of people throw around from Will Smith. Um, that was the one where he was talking about how racism, racism essentially hasn't increased at all, right? It's just being filmed. And so we're also looking at a time now where things are being filmed and broadcast almost immediately, sometimes live. 
um, right across the world. And so people are really being made aware of these things when before maybe they, you know, they would get to know about it a little bit later. Um, and then you're also looking at the, if we're looking at the George Floyd case in particular, right? This literally just happened, right, a few years ago, um, where we just saw another black man who was choked uh, to death by police, right, for not engaging in a crime that you would think uh, would merit his life being taken, right? Um, so we see this same type of stuff happening over and over and again. And so I think just the culmination of all of that, the fact that people are staying at home um, and people are just fed up with the consistent police brutality, um, right, police responses, people are losing trust in how police are operating and how also the criminal justice system is responding to these police um, engaging in these activities, right? And so I think all that just kind of creates this explosive thing. Also, I, I couldn't, you know, uh, without becoming too political, I would be remiss if I didn't say this is all also happening at a time where we really have a president um, in, in the United States who is who's just feeding the division between people racially, um, and amongst other ways as well, too, right? Where typically we would have presidents who, no matter what their you know, their social inclinations or their political parties would be thinking about and trying to bring people together at this time, whereas we see our current president really uh, kind of, you know, fueling these divisions. I know that's that's one we can't even tackle right now on yeah, this right. because but I do want to, we, you're, when you're talking about the other situation a few years ago, you're talking about Eric Garner, who was a gentleman who was selling cigarettes in New York. And he's he was like a big, a big guy and three or four officers, they were choking him. And he was saying mm -hmm. basically the same thing as George Floyd said, I can't breathe. So okay. I just wanted to clarify that for people who didn't know which, yeah. which case you were talking about. It, it, it's very important. And one thing I do want to show while we have it, while we're talking about this, obviously, I think it's important. I think a lot of people have seen pictures or maybe seen little snippets of what happened mm -hmm. to George Floyd. Uh, we don't have time to show the whole thing. I watched uh, the New York Times, by the way, did a great timeline of exactly what happened, uh, strung all the video together. But I do think it's important that we show uh, in case somebody's tuning in and doesn't know exactly what happened, uh, I just want to show you what everybody's talking about. So let's just play it and, and listen to it. Uh, it'll just take maybe 30 seconds or so. Please, please, I can't breathe. So we see this just mm. awful scene play out with several cameras around it. it, it I mean, really, if it doesn't make you sick, there's something uh, strange going on with you as you watch this guy. At one point, he begs for his mom. You know, it's just it's awful to watch. And then the, the police officer keeps his knee on the back of his neck, even long after he is unconscious, the paramedics actually show up and say, hey, okay, move out of the way so we can work on him. So what is it? I mean, obviously this stirs a lot of emotions, Dr. Cox, but what do you think it is about this particular case that not only has America outraged, but has the entire world getting involved in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think one of the things is that you, you hit on Exactly right. It's just the, the length of time that this was happening, right? That's it's absurd, right? You know, like, and we know that police always or, or very often need to use restraining techniques, right? That's not something that um, we would speak out against, right? If you need to arrest somebody or detain somebody, then you're gonna you might need to use those tactics. But the fact that he stood with or kneeled with his knee on this uh, this man's neck. Uh, for such a long time, right, when you could, there are many other ways of restraining. And he was also already restrained, right? He was in handcuffs, mm -hmm. laying on yeah. the ground, face down. And you want to knee in his neck for eight minutes? It doesn't make sense, right? So I think that really just upsets people. You can also very clearly see and hear this man, mm -hmm. um, George, right, screaming and crying for his life, 
right? And so that also stirs up a lot of things in people, right? It really reminds me of the um, one of the, the first things that I remember um, you know, dealing with and hearing with in, in such detail was uh, when Trayvon Martin was killed, right? I remember listening to the, the videos, the, the sound footage rather, um, where you could hear Trayvon in the background crying out for help, right? And so I think that also really just, you know, really touches on people's heartstrings a little bit more maybe than other incidents that aren't filmed or where, where you can't really clearly hear something happening, right? It was such a long time that we saw this taking place as opposed to something that's maybe more quick, you know, such as a gunshot um, or something that happens in, in a few seconds, right? So I think that's one of the things that really, really added to that. But, okay, so help us unpack why people right now are so upset. And I, I say so upset, but the the protests in general have been pretty peaceful for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, there are a few bad actors who, who show up and try to cause chaos. Right. There have been rioting in some parts, but here in, in Central Florida and Orlando, where we're based, uh, we we haven't seen that. And it makes me very proud of our, our, our city. But what is it that we are supposed to unpack from that? And how do you get people to say, how how is change going to happen from that? Because I feel like we're at a precipice where we are either going to change and continue to move forward, like mm. what happened in the 60s, or it's going to be like an Eric Garner or Trayvon Martin, where we simply let it wash away into the background again. Sure. Absolutely. Right. And so, I mean, again, one of the things we can really point out for folks is that these protests, right, they're not spontaneous, right? They're happening as a result of continued state violence against Black Americans, right? Um, and we could think about a lot of data that is that is out there for us to see, right? Um, not only do Black people die at the hands of police disproportionately, right, but this violence is often, it's, it's too often, rather, deemed uh, justifiable, right? A lot of times law enforcement um, officers are not even held responsible in ways that the public would like to see them. Um, we know research shows that about one in every 1,000 Black people are killed by the police. Um, Blacks are about three and a half times more likely than white people to be killed by police when they are not attacking or they don't have a weapon. Black teenagers are more than 21 times more likely than white teenagers, their counterparts, to be killed by police. Right, and so we see ongoing trends of this happening, right? Um, and so these, this is where the protests come from, right? And so we want to really keep that in mind, want to center that. Um, and a lot of times people also then, you know, they're reacting to these protests that are happening. They're discussing what's going on in ways that help to uh, perpetuate these stereotypes against the protesters, against black people and other marginalized groups. Um, and so one of the things we could look at is that, um, right, the, the media broadly, right, um, when we think, right, just across the spectrum of the medium, they play a, re- a really huge role in how the general public perceives these protests. Um, so they can either help to legitimize the social movements by focusing on the heart of the protest, which is what I, you know, I'm suggesting now, or um, what often happens is that media can help delegitimize these movements by focusing on the disruption or the destruction, right? They could echo the you know, dog whistles of politicians calling protesters thugs, things like that, right? Um, and there's research that shows that certain social movements are just characterized more in more legitimizing ways than others, right? So like the women's marches and the women's movement that were, uh, were happening years ago, right? A lot more space was given to these um, in terms of understanding people's grievances and the, pro- the goals of the protests. Um, but protests that are specifically addressing things like anti-Black racism or indigenous rights issues, um, these are characterized in the media often as very disruptive or confrontational. We use words like violent, right, which that's kind of a whole spiel for me in terms of people misusing the word violence when they're discussing, you know, property damage. Uh, that's that's not really violence. Um, and so these, that's some of the things that are happening now, right? We really want to focus on what are the problems that led 
to this, right? And um, I really, really love this uh, quote. Uh, people always like to bring up MLK, you know, during during mm -hmm. times like sure. that. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and aside from the fact that they, uh, a lot of Americans seem to have a short memory and don't remember that Dr. King and other civil rights leaders were really, you know, they were talked about in the same ways that people are talking about protesters now. Um, what he said was that, you know, riots essentially are just the language of the unheard, right? And so I would like to, you know, one of the things we can do moving forward is really push people to consider that these, again, these riots, these uprisings, uh, the civil dis uh, unrest, this, the social protests, whatever you want to call them, they're not coming out of nowhere. They're because people feel like they don't have a voice. They're not being heard, particularly in this case with regards to state violence against black and brown people, right? Um, and the continued brutalization of black men and women at the hands of law enforcement and, and even civilians, right? We saw that happening too. Um, so th those are some of the things that we could think about now in terms of maybe refocusing the discussion that we're seeing. Yeah, I, I do. I, I totally I totally agree with a lot of your points, but I do want to push back on one with the, mm -hmm. as far as the media coverage, because I hear a lot like we focus on, you know, the bad things happening in the protests. But I do want to say it is difficult for us because if we're covering a protest and we just kind of ignore the fact or glaze over the fact that cars are burning or somebody's throwing a rock at a police officer, which again is the uh, large minority of these protests. I, I totally agree. Sure. But as a, if, when you're covering it, it, we can't, we have to, we have to talk about it. Away. Yeah. Cause yeah. so that's yeah. kind of the issue we face in the media is, and I know people characterize the entire pro protest as that, uh, but we sort we certainly have to address it. So I don't know. It's, it, sure. it's a difficult sure. position, I think. You know. Yeah. And I wouldn't and I, I definitely would not advocate for that not being addressed. Right. I think that it should. I think that you should, you know, media broadly right Not you all yeah. specifically, but media broadly should absolutely talk about all sides. I mean, all aspects of this issue. Right? I think that helps to, you know, humanize issues, too. Um, but again, I think that what we end up seeing is that, you know, certain media um, and it, it, we, we just see uh, an over focus on the destructive aspects uh, um, or, you know, what's what's happening with that, as opposed to really focusing on the, uh, you know, why these things are happening, right? And I think you can absolutely appropriately address all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's an easier story to tell when there's something on fire. Oh, yeah. You know, it's in their pictures with it, but we still do have to address it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's sure. something we else, uh, something else we would love to address, because in the past, few days especially i've had a lot of friends and colleagues who don't look like me who have approached me saying what can i do how can i help i just want to learn and i feel like sometimes people get a bad rap like my white friends will try and post things and then people will come out of the woodwork saying well this isn't your fight or you don't understand or that's not the mm -hmm. right thing to say we can't continue to say this isn't right how you're thinking you're helping us, it's a teaching moment. So how sure. can we help teach them? How can we help them help us? If I may yeah, take absolutely. from another movie, yeah. Sure, sure. And so, I mean, I think one of the things, this is this is something that I've been dealing with myself on social media, you know, very recently, obviously. Um, so I think one of the things we could, that I've been trying to respond with people about is um, just to ask them a question, right? So if you're posting things about, you know, that are talking about how disruptive some of these protests are and the problems with this, you know, and you're, again, maybe rightfully pointing at individuals who are engaging in activity that, that's destructive, looting, um, vandalism, et cetera. You know, again, that's fine to talk about, but did you also talk about the underlying issues, right? Do you give the same amount of time 
to the fact that all this rampant police brutality exists, that there are there's disproportionality in terms of how police respond to, to black and brown people. If you are giving equal time or maybe more appropriately more time uh, to what is going on, the underlying issues, then if you make a comment about, you know, I don't I disagree personally with with writing, et cetera, then it comes off in a much different way. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Right. They're they're making comments that at the face of them don't seem like they're that bad. But again, if if particularly for we're thinking about friends, right, friends, family and other people, if I don't hear you say anything about the problems that led to this and only you're only focusing on this one thing or it appears as though you are then that is where I think a lot of people have, have the, the larger issue, right? And then you get to this back and forth defending, you know, in somebody's position or what I meant to say versus what I didn't. Um, so I think that's one of the things we can help people do is just think about, well, what are you, what are you giving the most attention to um, or what have you missed? you know, before that you could maybe give more attention to to help broaden out your perspective. Yeah. yeah, social media really gives you the opportunity to do drive-by support, which is <laughs> really easy, and, you know, but park the car and stay there for a minute. And Ginger, that's, that's a good segue because we do want to address uh, something that's made it into the news, actually oh uh, about a UCF professor, uh, you know, mm -hmm. someone who works with you. I don't know how well you know him, Dr. Cox, but there is a professor at UCF <laughs> who posted some things that have garnered a lot of attention. Um, and so I want to try, let me see if I could pull it up here. This is kind of a spur of the moment, but I believe. Yeah, it's, it started trending last night with the hashtag fire him. So that should give you an idea of what uh, some of his tweets might be uh, referencing. Well, okay. I'm struggling here to, to try to pull it up. So let's, uh, let's see if we can maybe read them. His, he basically endorsed, uh, a concept called black privilege and um and and so and he also went on to to compare uh african americans to asian americans and uh, you know there there was a there was a whole thing there and there is now currently a big movement uh, to get him. I just want to read. Oh, one good, of the good. Tweets, yes, Matt. please do. Gigi. His name is uh, Charles Nagy. And he says, uh, here's a suggestion to those who think they are being and in quotes, screwed and depressed in the U.S. Stay in school. Be the best student possible. Avoid crime. Avoid gangs. Avoid unwanted pregnancy. Avoid drugs and alcohol. Amazing what a little common sense can do for your destiny. Mm. No. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's like, yeah. oh, I mean, don't we all try to avoid crime? It's like, you know, right? people always suggest these things that they say are common sense, but it seems like common sense is lacking when they make the comments initially. Right. Yeah. So I mean, this is and this is not a new regular. Right. You know, we can we can talk about this. This professor who, again, I do not know, um, but he does work at UCF. Um, we can talk about the things that he's saying, but again, these are not novel ideas, right? People have been saying these things for years. They're gonna to continue to say them well beyond him. Um, and so these ideas that if racial minorities, right? Black, brown, et cetera, people would just simply do the right thing if they would uh, help themselves and things would get better. But again, we see so many incidents uh, where that is just simply not the case, right? Uh, again, we, if we connect it back to the issues that we were just talking about, that the protests are about, right? Even when black people are doing, uh, are complying with police orders, right? We could think about the case of Philando Castile, um, where the officer told him to reach for his ID, ID and he shot him while he was reaching for his ID, right? So even when you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the, this tweet that you read also really highlights, um, you know, just some of the, the misnomers that people have with regards to 
to uh, minorities and their lives, right? And so if we think about this idea of doing well in education, staying in school, et cetera, right? One, we know that um, black and brown people are significantly more likely to be in schools that are under-resourced, right? So they don't have uh, as, as, as good of teachers, they don't have as much money, et cetera, right? So that's already gonna change things. Um, avoiding crime is really hard to do um, if you are in a situation of extreme or abject poverty, right? Um, you can avoid all the gangs you want. You can do all this stuff. I'm suggesting that people are, you know, that they can somehow avoid pregnancy, unwanted pregnancies, all these things, right? They just don't, they do not uh, yeah. allow for the fact that black people and other people do all these things they're suggesting all the time, but then we still see disparate outcomes for them, right? Um, that's what a lot of research shows when you look at people who are social scientists and other people who are looking at these things are saying that even if you account for all this, if you take two black people at the exact, I mean, a black person and a white person, for example, at the exact same socioeconomic level, um, we still see disparities, right? That's why we know that uh, white men who have criminal records are more likely to be hired than black men who have no criminal records, right? We can, we, we see other audit studies like that, that, that just really show that it doesn't matter what you do. You could be of the highest... Uh, social economic status. You could have the most education ever, right? Um, I, with a PhD, could walk out right now, and any number of these things could still happen to me simply because I am black, right? And so it's just crazy that we have people that continue to yeah. still perpetuate uh, uh, that. I mean, do you think it's right? People are calling for him. I mean, this is a a, a man who's a scholar. He is teaching mm -hmm. our future generation, and, and and a lot of his students are students of color. And you know, their tweets have been saying they felt uncomfortable in his class. They did. Yes. They knew something was off, or he was very confrontational with them. I mean, and they're calling for him to be fired. And I think he might have tenure. But I, what is the best course of action for something like that? Not that you have the final answer, but what? Sure. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's an issue, right, that, that I've been discussing just this morning with some of my other colleagues, um, professors, right? He does have tenure, which, you know, uh, because of tenure makes it really, really difficult to fire somebody when they have that. So my inclination is that he probably won't be fired. We'll see. Um, but some of the things you can do, right, is just uh, you know, the university should be responding to this, right? And I, I have faith that they, they will hopefully be responding to this um, by, one, addressing it, right? One, you can't... Uh, continue to talk about how you have these these goals and you value diversity, inclusion, and equity, but then you have individuals like this who are teaching your students who are creating spaces in which only some students feel very, very uncomfortable, right? Um, so they can address that. They can talk about what that is. They can uh, go uh, talk to this professor, right? Um, and make sure to see if there are any complaints or anything that have been given against him by students, right? Formally, they can investigate some of these other claims that are being made via social media. Um, what they don't want to do is nothing, right? Absolutely. We know yeah. that that's, that's not, not a good yeah. case, but, but and, and, and I have do. to address that this is a systemic issue and that he's probably the only professor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Go Dr. Ahead. Cox, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I think there was a little glitch. No. Um, but yeah, I did want to, I, th I think it's a, it's a good question uh, that Ginger asked um, because it is, we are getting to an area where say someone does say something that's, we'll call it ignorant, you know, a and you're, and you're white. Like, so, and then you fire that person and, you know, send them to the other side of society. To me, that might take that person and possibly radicalize them even further uh, instead of maybe keeping them around and having a discussion and keeping the discussion open. Is there, is there a place for that instead of the kind of where we are now, where it's just like that guy said something wrong, let's fire him and get rid of him. 
Sure. Um, and so I think that when you're thinking about something like that, I definitely think that there there can be and should be spaces for for us to, to pull people back in right when they step outside of this. I think maybe the determining factor on whether we uh, approach it from that angle or approach it from the angle of I'm sorry, we, we're going to have to let you go um, is the uh, the severity of the incidents and then, you know, how chronic are they? Right. Um, and so, again, just just some cursory glances and looking at, you know, some of the, the things that students have been saying with with this particular individual. Um, it seems like there's a, a like a long held pattern of behavior um, and beliefs and, and expressions that create these problematic situations. And so I think that that should be handled very differently than if you have a professor that overwhelmingly is, you know, is creating spaces where people feel fine and they don't feel like they're ostracized or excluded in any way. And then they make an offhanded comment about, you know, one or a couple of things, right? I think those are different situations. And so I would approach them probably a little differently um, because, I, again, you do need to have that space. Um, but I, at the same time, recognize that maybe some people, it may be more harmful to keep them than not. So you'd have to weigh that. That was Matt trying to rein me in and calling yeah. for him to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're Matt. welcome, Ginger. I, I lost myself for a moment. Um, <laughs> but Dr. Cox, you know, as a as a as an African American woman, I have often, and it happens all the time, I've gone into a store where you have loss prevention following you, and it's like, and I I just look at them. I'm like, I'm sure there's somebody over there who's really stealing something that you might need to figure out or or get on. Have you had issues as a black man? with what we've been talking about, because it is hard to be in this country and not encounter something like that. Sure, um, absolutely, right, and at various institutions. I will say, thus far, I have not experienced anything like that at UCF, so that's great uh, for UCF, thankfully. <laughs> yes. uh, I've been here a few years, uh, but at other institutions that I've been at, absolutely, right? I remember one example where I used to uh, um, play basketball with some of the students and, and sometimes other faculty and staff um, at one of the gyms on a campus that I was working at, um, and this was a gated community, a gated campus, right? And so it was very, you know, you didn't have a lot of students coming on that weren't, um, you know, weren't students there. Um, but it was a, a significantly predominantly white institution, right? Um, over 70% of the population were, were white students. Um, and so when I was, I would go play basketball in these situations, right? There was a time where um, one of the security guards who I had spoken to personally on several occasions seemed to not recognize me um, and he was asking me for my ID and I was I happened to be playing basketball at the time with many other black men some of which were on campus students and some of which were from a local campus a local university and they asked all of us for our IDs and then told us that we would need to you know sign in the guests or leave um, I went to the gym literally right next to us where there was predominantly white players and I asked them like hey did the, the police or the uh, security guards come in and ask for your IDs and they said no Right. They didn't they didn't ask them at all. And so clearly in that case, right, the, the indicator were what, that we weren't supposed to be there or maybe we weren't supposed yeah. to be there was the fact that we were black. Right. And so things like that have definitely happened to me uh, multiple times at multiple universities that I've been at. I just feel like that's a perfect example of why right now Americans, black or otherwise, are exhausted. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's this this is something that, again, you know, I've personally, and I, I speak to a lot of my colleagues been dealing with this very recently. I mean, I actually had to just take a break from social media for the past two or three days because it just was so much to deal with what is happening right on top of COVID, on top of everything else, um, <laughs> to deal with these continued things that are happening. And then also the responses from a lot of people, right? It just, 
it, it's so much that sometimes you just want to crawl into a hole and just say, I, I can't deal with the world right now. Right. I think that was actually one of my most recent social media posts. I need a break. Uh, <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, uh, but one thing I think that we need to be able to do to fix this is to have a conversation uh, between all of us, you know, and, uh, and I, yes. I mean, I can speak from myself, Ginger and I hang out every day and we love each other. And, but I, and I have, I think I only have good intentions when it comes to this sort of thing, but I know that I have stepped in uh, an ignorant statement here and there without even kind of realizing it. And, uh, and as a, as a white, I'm, a, I'm even uncomfortable even saying this, <laughs> you know what I'm why, saying? Why because are you whispering white? This is, Matt? this is a, <laughs> this is like a, you know, it feels like a minefield <laughs> sometimes uh, to try to discuss it because you, if you really have good intentions and you want to discuss things uh, openly and honestly, but I don't know everything, you know? So sure. uh, how can we open up the conversation to where like I can feel free enough to learn the things I need to learn? Uh, while also getting a little forgiveness uh, uh, for the possibility that I might say something that's stupid, you know? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I think that that's so meaningful, right? I mean, a, a lot of us, right, regardless of whatever the issue is, people often, we're humans, we often say things that we sometimes immediately regret, maybe regret a little bit later. Um, and so one of the things, right, that is that creates the situation that you're talking about um, is this somewhat, uh, this proposed at least post-racial society that we live in, in which you are not supposed to talk about race, right? And that really only serves, uh, uh, quite honestly, white, uh, you know, whiteness broadly um, by disallowing people to actually address specifically the issues that are happening with regards to race, right? And so that's the reason why a lot of people, um, particularly white Americans, feel like they can't talk about race, right? Um, we see all this stuff happening that just makes them not, it, it makes it not be the situation in which they feel like they can jump into these conversations. I see this with my students all the time. Um, and so one of the things we can do um, for that, right, is just to, um, we definitely can uh, uh, give people grace, right? So if we know that somebody's coming from a place of good intentions, we can give them grace. The other thing is that as a speaker, again, as humans, we say things that are wrong and messed up all the time. Um, one of the things we can do is realize that our, uh, in the grand scheme of things, our intentions really have nothing to do with it. Um, th because whatever happens, there is an outcome, there is a result. And so it's the outcome or result that matters more than the intentions. What I tell my students is that your intentions really only matter insofar as you wanna maintain a personal relationship with somebody, right? Beyond that though, if you did or said something uh, that leads to some kind of result for me, um, then it's, it, it doesn't, if you focus the conversation on your intentions being positive instead of what happened, then you've taken the focus off of, you know, the hurt or pain or whatever it is that I'm going through, right? And so if you can realize that your intentions don't matter as much and that you need to focus more on what actually happened, regardless of what you meant to happen or not, that actually can be very freeing um, because then you can have a conversation about really, really what happened and then you're not arguing back and forth about like what you said and why you shouldn't say this other things, right? You can actually get at the heart of the matter, which actually helps build relationships and creates more of that space you're talking about where you can feel better or freer, we'll say, about bringing some of these issues up. Yeah, but That's we a... should also be prepared to lose some friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately. Ginger, yeah, no. what are you trying to say to me right now? <laughs> Matt, this is it for us. <laughs> you have to talk to me at least five days a week. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Oh. I don't know. Dr. Cox, I could talk to you all yeah. day. And I, once we're allowed to have people come back into our building, I want you to be our go-to guy when we talk about issues like this, because you really have a way of unpacking it and making it seem like mm. we're going to be okay. And we really appreciate that. And that's kind of the feeling we need right now. Like we're going to be okay. It's just going to take some getting to, to get to that point. Some, you know, we've got a little ways to go. Sure. I appreciate that, too. Uh, definitely calling me more. Again, even though we're talking about some very serious things, mm -hmm. I agree that this this has been a point, we'll say, of levity again, uh, despite the seriousness, just talking to you two about this uh, in a time where I'm like, again, I need a break. So this is great. So <laughs> yeah. I would love you. Hey, our pleasure. Thank you so much for being approachable. And, and we appreciate what you do. Uh, educating our kids. So thank you so much, Ginger. I do have to say that we've been getting messages about your shirt. People are like, <laughs> can I get your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. They really liked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time and your insight and just uh, unpacking a very difficult situation. Well, thank you again. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I had a lot of fun. All right. This is another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. Got Ginger Gaston, Dr. Jonathan Cox, and my name is Matt Austin. Have yourself a great weekend. Bye.